right, tonight get your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 and uh, verse number 14 and 15 to start with. Uh, I'm not really going to do a, a, a series of Wednesday Bible studies. Uh, we're just going to go through for a long time. I don't know how long, maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe, maybe the rest of your life. I don't know. We're just going to, we're just going to study the Bible. I'm just going to pick different subjects, different topics and study them and, and try to uh, just teach us all uh, some things from the Bible. And, uh, you know, I was thinking one thing is, you know, Israel and Judah, uh, well, how, how, did they, how did they come about? When did that happen? When was the split? And then, you know, we, we read a lot in the Bible about Judah. We read a lot in the Bible about Israel. But, you know, how, what, what's the difference and, and things like that? And uh, almsgivings. I thought we'd do a lesson on almsgiving. What is almsgiving? What is, what is that all about? Uh, just different subjects in the Bible. And I thought this one would be very appropriate uh, right now, especially with the revival coming. Tonight, I want to talk to you about fasting. So I just got very unpopular. And uh, like I say, don't mess with somebody's food and don't mess with their money. Uh, but uh, so tonight, we just took an offering, and now we're messing with your food. And so uh, I'm going to be a very unpopular person here uh, this evening. I forgot to take my phone off. I usually can't give that to you. I usually leave that in my office. Um, so Matthew chapter 9, and verse 14. Let's pray here, please, tonight. Father, would you please bless the... Uh, the truth tonight in the Bible as we open it and help us to get something out of it that'll really help us and encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, honestly, we're not going to be real lengthy tonight. Uh, by no means, I probably had a lot more uh, I wanted to uh, say and put into this. And of course, our day was extremely interrupted. Usually, I spend most of Wednesday uh, working on uh, working on my Bible study. And then, uh, of course, with the, the news we got today and having to go to the doctor and all that, it was, it was a, quite a, a different type of afternoon. Uh, but I, th I think the truth is great here. So Matthew chapter 9, look at verse number 14. Then came to him, uh, uh, then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but thy disciples fast not? Okay, so here they come now. They're coming to, um, to him and say, now, 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 Jesus, you have all these disciples, but uh, John's disciples, they fast, and the, uh, the Pharisees, they fast. Well, how come your disciples aren't fasting? Now, look at the Jesus answer. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, then shall they fast." Uh, God tells, Jesus says, uh, the day is going to come. My people should fast. They're going to fast. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He said, while I am with them, they're not going to fast. Why? Everything's okay. Everything's okay. We're, we're, we're having a grand old time. We're at the, uh, the, at the, uh, where the bridegroom is with you. We're the, the, uh, uh, the children of the bride chamber. They're, they're going to mourn as long as the bridegroom is there. Everything's okay. But when the bridegroom is gone, and things are difficult, and things are different, then we're going to fast. Uh, that's what we need, the Lord, if you will. Uh, fasting is one of those things that Christians today know very little about. Very little. We know little about prayer these days. We're, I don't know what it is, if it's just Christi Christianity across the world, or if it's more of an American thing, that we're not in a position to need God. 
Uh, we, we really, we have everything we need. You need, you, you need food? Well, just go down and get food stamps. You know, you need, uh, you need a job? Well, go down to the job place and get a job. You, you need, uh, uh, you need medical attention? No, nobody's ever turned away. Just go to the hospital and, and you may have to pay $50 a month for the rest of your life. That's not a big deal, you know? And, and I mean, uh, there, there's really not very many needs that we have in America today. And what that does is it keeps us away from God. Why pray? Why well, pray? I'll never forget. I was I had a had a problem one time, and I called Bob Gray Senior, and boy, I was asking him for some advice. It was a heavy thing, and I was I was talking to him. We were we were you know, uh, uh, kind of sharing things back and forth, and ideas, and this and that, and all this. And and then he gets down to the end. He goes he goes, and of course, let's not forget to pray about it. And then he chuckled. He said, "Man alive!" He said, "Has it come to that? Has it gotten so bad we might actually pray?" <laughs> and I thought, you know. That's, that's how it is. Why is it that prayer is the last resort when it ought to be the first resort? Uh, so often, that's what we do. We get down, we go, man, we've tried absolutely everything. Good night. Somebody pray. Uh, no, let's pray first. That's the first thing we ought to be doing. And so uh, uh, quickly, girls and boys, come on in here, get a seat here. Um, and uh, uh, we ought to be praying. But we, we don't know much of prayer these days. We just don't know much about prayer these days at all. Uh, but let alone fasting, how often do we hear about God's people fasting? You know, it was a, it was a, a fairly regular thing that even our presidents in years past would call a national day of prayer and fasting. Uh, I wonder how many people would actually, if I remember correctly, and, and, and I might be very wrong, but I want to say that at 9-11, uh, was there not a, a National Day of Prayer and Fasting that the, the president came out with? Was that? It was, it was, was it just prayer? I, I, I can't remember, but I, I, I thought I remember one time uh, somewhere around there, it might have even been before that, the, the, one of our presidents had given a day of prayer and fasting. Uh, but I wonder how many Americans actually did, how many actually fasted. I know there's been times here in our church, I think the ladies in our church are fasting tomorrow. And I thought that very interesting. And when I heard that, I was like, yeah, I'm teaching on that Wednesday night. Very good. And so, uh, so we are right now, while you're at church, somebody's at your house putting a lock on your fridge. Uh, and uh, so you won't get it, be able to get into it here. Um, but there ought to be a, uh, we, we ought to learn how to fast. Uh, when we have days at the church when we say, hey, look, let's all fast these days. I wonder how many people actually do it. You know, it's easy to do. We're, 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 we're all energetic. Yeah, we're going to fast. It's easy to do about the first, oh, maybe three, four hours. That's not too bad. Really, it's not. Before you come, you know, you get in the morning, say, I'm fasting today. Not too bad. About 11 o'clock in the morning, you're going, hmm. Kind of rethinking this fasting thing here. And uh, maybe though I did fast this morning. You didn't fast that morning if you didn't feel it. Uh, <laughs> you didn't fast if you didn't feel it. And then, boy, you so you miss lunch and come dinner time. I mean, as you're driving home, every restaurant you go by, you smell, you smell Burger King, you smell Golden Corral, you smell KFC. You, I mean, it's everywhere. And then you get home and, and uh, the fridge is begging you and calling your name. And so you sit down and try to pass the time with TV and every commercial is out, food. And it's hard. To fast, it really is. But what is fasting all about? And and uh, I'll talk to you a little bit tonight about fasting because God said the day will come when I'm taken away and my people are to fast. They're to fast. Um, 
Uh, okay, all through the Bible, God's people have fasted. Just to give you a few examples, um, in, in uh, the uh, before sending out Saul and Barnabas in the Book of Acts, before they sent Saul and Barnabas or Paul and Barnabas out across the uh, the the, uh, the the neighboring regions, trying to win souls and build churches, you know what they did? The church got together and they fasted, and then they laid hands on them and sent them out. Now, I wonder how often we do that. How often do we do that? I wonder if a missionary comes our way and preaches to us, what would happen if after church day, now ladies and gentlemen, tonight, uh, the missionaries, they're, gonna, they're leaving tomorrow. They're leaving tomorrow afternoon, they fly out. And uh, so to, uh, we're all going to fast for them tonight and all day tomorrow. Then we're all going to meet here, we're going to pray over before they go. It's unheard of. Uh, we don't do stuff like that these days, why not? It's not because of the scriptures have changed, we have changed. Um, if you remember in uh, 2 Samuel, uh, when, when the, uh, the battle uh, was over and Saul and Jonathan both had, were, were killed in battle and many uh, people lost their lives, David came on and he said, we're going to fast. And David and the entire uh, nation of Israel, they all fasted because of the loss that was sustained during battle and because of the loss of Saul and Jonathan. They fasted. Uh, that time of getting that heart close to God. If you remember Esther, Esther, uh, uh, there was a, a, a genocide going on in her day and they were going to get ready to exterminate all the Jews and uh, and so what did they do they uh, she was going to go to the king and tell the king who was behind it and uh, and he was going to uh, Haman was going to put put people up on the gallows and kill him he said uh, what we well, I'm going to go to the king I'm going to tell the king what's going on hopefully the king will stop it because I'm a Jew his wife's a Jew and and before she did you know what she said she said uh, she told Mordecai I tell all the Jews to fast for three days and I'm going to fast for three days. And then with us all fasting, we're going to go in before the king and try to get the king's attention. Boy, there's something about fasting. Uh, if you remember in the book of Daniel, Daniel, the Bible says he fasted for three weeks. Fasted for three weeks. He said he ate no food for three weeks, uh, uh, wanting and needing God's answer to his prayer. Uh, Moses, when Moses went up into the mountain to receive the, uh, the commandments from God up in Mount Sinai, the Bible said that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted there. Um, Joel, uh, he commanded that Israel, uh, in order to bring repentance and come back, he commanded that we're going to pray and fast. For God uh, in His presence here. If you remember in the uh, in the New Testament, there's an 85 year old woman who 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 uh, lived practically lived at the temple. She was always at the temple. The Bible says she was at the temple continually with prayer and fasting. 84 years old and fasting. Remember Nehemiah. Nehemiah got word that that his uh, uh, the city of Jerusalem was broken down and the walls were burnt and and it was all overgrown and destroyed. And the Bible says that he would begin to fast and to pray when he heard about the condition of Jerusalem. Uh, David, many times through the book of Psalms, you'll find David was praying and fasting. Uh, David fasted when his baby was sick and ready to die. He ate no, he ate nothing. He just did nothing but pray and ask for God's blessing on it. Uh, Jesus, before he went into to the guard or into uh, uh, the temptation for 40 days. He fasted for those 40 days and, uh, and ate nothing. There's something about fasting in the Bible. Uh, it, it's, now take your Bibles and go to Isaiah. What is it about fasting? Go to Isaiah 58. Isaiah chapter 58. And let's look at a little bit here what God said about fasting. They say there's many ways to fast. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know. The one, uh, I just see in the Bible, the fast of, of food, people say, well, you can fast just from your favorite food. Well, that's not really, I don't know. That's just not really, I don't know. That seems like cheating to me. Uh, some people say, well, you can fast from anything that you can't get through a straw. Well, I mean, they did that in college, and I knew a guy who took a pepperoni pizza and he put it in a blender with, some, with, with Pepsi, and he sucked it through a straw. And so, I don't know. That, that, that's not, I, I, don't, I don't know if I buy all of that, uh, the fasting. But uh, chapter 48 of Isaiah, in verse number 3, I'm sorry, 58. I said 40, so Isaiah, Isaiah 58. I'll get it right one of these times. Isaiah 58, verse 3. That's why the pages keep spinning back and forth. I keep saying something different. He said, Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labor. So stop right there. He said, he said How come we've been fasting, God, and you didn't notice it? He said, because in the days that you're fasting, you just go about and enjoy all the pleasures that you normally do. There's something about that fasting is a time. That's why in the Bible, what would they do? They would put themselves in sackcloth and ashes on their head, and they would fast. That sackcloth was like a burlap sack. Imagine, uh, we, we've, all, we've all had a t-shirt or something, a little tag in the back that scratches your neck, and it just drives you nuts, you know? And boy, sometimes I get one of my shirts, I'll get one of that, boy, it'll just drive me nuts. Imagine that burlap sack on your bare skin poking you constantly, how uncomfortable that is. But that's how they did in the Old Testament. Why? Because I'm not going to enjoy any of what I'm doing. I'm putting on sackcloth and I'm, I'm afflicting my soul because I need something from God. Um, uh, what did, what did uh, 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 Job say? He said, my tears have been my meat day and night. He said, I haven't been eating my food. I've been eating my tears. I've been afflicting my soul. I want God to see that what I have need of and what I'm looking for right now, God, is more important than my necessary food. Now, when God sees that's how important it is to us, it gets the attention of God. God begins to listen. See, when we just go about our business and enjoy, hey, the party, uh, let's enjoy the party, the friends and everybody, let's have a grand old time, and then we throw up a prayer here and there, I wonder how serious God takes it. But when he sees our stomachs growling and we're denying our flesh, saying, I'm not eating. I'm not eating, God. I need you. And I'd rather have you than the very food that I need to survive. I'd rather have you. Now, God, I need you. And uh, that's fast. Uh, it's, not, it's not fasting. Uh, I think there's a lot of motive behind it. It's not fasting just because you couldn't eat. But if you could, you would. It's not fasting because you forgot your lunch at home. That's not fasting. That's just stupidity. Uh, uh, fasting is when you purposely lay and say, I could eat, but I'm not going to. It's when the food's in front of you and you push it aside and say, no, I'm not eating, Lord, because I, I need something from you. He, you afflicted your soul. Okay, go on to verse 4 there. Behold, why do you fast? Here we go. Ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice uh, to be heard on high. Um, uh, it is, is it such a, a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush or to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? Okay, stop right there. So what did he say? He said, uh, some, sometimes you're fasting for the wrong reason. You're fasting because you want your voice to be heard on high. You're fasting because you want some sort of fame or popularity or recognition. 
You're fasting despite with the fist of wickedness. You're fasting because, oh, I, I want uh, somebody else to be hurt. I want revenge on somebody. So I'm going to fast and almost like a, a, a magic weapon to get God involved. God said, I'm not going to hear that. That's not what fasting is about. He said, but, verse 6, is not this the fast that I've chosen? Ready? Here we go. To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. To break every yoke. Is, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? And that thou bring the poor that are cast out into thy house? When thou seest the naked, and that thou cover him? And that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go forth, uh, go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Okay, so what did he say here? He said, this is why you fast. He gives us some reasons here on why we should fast. What did he say? First of all, he said, to, uh, the fast that I have chosen, verse 6, to loose the bands of wickedness. Yeah, you, you want victory over sin? You want the bands of wickedness to have a hold on you and that, 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 that won't let you go? You want a great way to get victory over those and get those bands of wickedness to break? Fast. Fast. To loose the bands. Oh, preacher, I just can't stop. Have you tried fasting? Have you tried fasting? Here's what you do when you fast. Here's what you do when you fast. When you fast, we, we're all there. We all get hungry. I'm hungry right now. And we get hungry, okay? We get, a little, mm, we get hungry. First thing we think is, what is there to eat? Only in America do we go to the refrigerator because we're bored, you know? And, 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 and you all know it's true. How many times you walk by the fridge? I ain't hungry, but you open the fridge. See if there's anything to snack on. But boy, you start to get that hunger pain, and, and you go by, and you, and, and you think, man, alive. I know there's, there's, there's grapes on the table. There's meat and cheese in there and bread. I can make a sandwich. There's a can of soup. Man, there's a, there's a piece of meat in there. Oh, man, there's a leftover pizza. Boy, there's a meatloaf and there's some oh, enchiladas. And, I mean, all kinds of stuff in there that you could. And, and, and you get that hunger pain. And that hunger is your flesh saying, Ellie, saying, feed me. Feed me. And when you walk by and you say, yeah, I could feed you. But no, I'm not going to feed you because I'm asking God for something. And, I, and I'm going to deny my flesh. Well, as time goes, that hunger pain begins to increase. A few hours later, it's more than just a little thought of something to eat. A few hours later, we're starting to enter survival mode. Now, boy, I'm hungry. I am hungry. Boy, you go by that fridge, and I mean, your mouth begins to water, and you're thinking about it, and boy, I want to eat. And your, your stomach is growling, and I mean, satisfaction is right there in front of you. You could grab it and eat it, and you say, no, not going to do it. I'm not going to feed you. And you deny your flesh. You deny your flesh. By that night, you're just flat starving to death and some wonderful saint of God comes by and knocks on your door and says, I was thinking about you tonight and we brought you some dinner. Amen. And they maybe brought you a whole bucket of KFC chicken or something like that and, and they said, here you go. We just were thinking about you and you're thinking, oh, you were not thinking about me. The devil was thinking about me. And, uh, and you graciously take it and you put it on your kitchen table and you stare at it and the smell is filling the house and you say, no. I'm not going to eat you. And you deny the flesh. And the next day you get up and what do you do? Deny the flesh. You deny the flesh. And pretty soon that hunger pain gets so intense. I mean, it is intense. And you have to fight it. And boy, you're, you're going by. And I mean, you got money in your pocket and there's nobody in the McDonald's drive-thru. And boy, you're hungry as can be. And you say, no, I'm not going to eat it. And you deny your flesh. 
What you're doing when you fast is you're learning to say no to your flesh. And then you go by and the alcohol bottle comes by and passes by and it calls your name and you're learned now you're strong and I say no. I'm not going to fall for the temptations of the flesh. I've learned it. I've strengthened my spirit above my flesh and above my fleshly desires and I've learned to tell my flesh no. I wonder how many times we have a hard time telling our flesh no and we would, if we would fast a little, it would give us that spiritual strength to loose the bands of wickedness and deny the flesh as God tells us to do. So why do we fast? <clears throat> to loose the bands of wickedness. Why else? To undo heavy burdens. Boy, you ever, you ever have a heavy burden, a heavy problem? You're not sure what to do, and it's weighing on you, and you got a major issue and a major problem? God said, try fasting. Try fasting and saying, God, it's more important to me that I have your divine attention to fix this problem and to help me with this burden than it is for me to feed my own flesh. And when God sees that, there's something about fasting, I believe, that gets the attention of God. We find it all through the Bible when people fasted, God moved. It just happened when people fasted, God moved. I think there's something about, I'm not saying it's a fix-all every time you fast. Uh, uh, usually, uh, when I fast, God does something. But there's been many times I have fasted and God didn't change anything. And uh, it's not a fix-all, but I do believe it gets the attention of God when we fast. To, we fast to undo those heavy burdens. You got a burden you have a hard time carrying. You got a fear or a worry that's coming your way or something that you know is coming your direction. You're not sure how to handle it. God said, try to fast. Try to, try to deny your flesh and look up to heaven and say, God, I want you to know how important this is to me. It's more important than food that my very flesh needs to eat. And when God sees us deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow him, I think it gets the attention of God. Okay, why else? He says, is not this the fast I've chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. Number two, to, loose the, uh, uh, to undo heavy burdens. Number three, to let the oppressed go free. <laughs> Have you, ever, have you ever fasted for somebody else to go free? Have you fasted for somebody else to go free? Let the oppressed go free. Uh, boy, that's a, uh, this is, I think this is where we miss our Christianity so much. We're in our Christianity for ourselves. Now, it, 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 when people get married, what do they say? They say, for better or for worse, right? Do you know that that, that is pulled out of the Bible, but it was not speaking about marriage he was talking about the church when he put that in the bible he said we come together as a church not for the better but for the worse see anybody come together to church when everything's a-okay god said we come together for the hard times when we come together we're here not for the not for the church picnics and the bowling time and the parties we're come together for the hard times for the hardships. When things are going bad, that's when we come together. Hey, when is there somebody amongst us that's suffering and a group of people get together and say, hey, we're fasting for so-and-so today. God, give us some, some godly ladies that get on the phone and call up 15 other ladies and say, hey, listen, so-and-so's struggling. I'm going to ask you, will you fast with me for the next two days for so-and-so-and-so so that the oppressed may go free? When was the last time you teenagers got together and said, hey, you know what, let's fast that, that God saves somebody this week or God gives a great day on our bus route or that, that bus kid is struggling, hasn't been here in a while. Hey, I'm getting all the bus workers together. My bus route, we're going to fast and pray that God brings them to church this Sunday. When was the last time we fasted? Uh, fasting that the oppressed may go free. What else? And that to break every yoke, to break every burden. Go on, verse 7. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry 
Oh, here's another reason to fast. Fast that God will provide for you so you can provide for somebody else. So here's what God said. Here's another reason to fast. But this is where our Christianity really becomes personal. Somebody, you know somebody in the, somebody's hurting. Somebody in the church needs something. Hey, somebody needs groceries. And you don't have the money to buy them groceries. So you're going to fast and ask God to provide you with the money so you can go buy them groceries. That's what he was saying right there. He said, to deal thy bread to the hungry. He said, do we pray? Do we fast that way? Do we fast for other people Say, God, would you, if you'll give it to me, then I'll give it to them. If you'll, so-and-so has a need, if you'll provide that need to me, I will pass it on to them. So I'm going to fast and pray, God, that you give it to me and make me a channel of blessing. That's why we fast. What else did he say there? He said, then, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. Do we pray for the lost? Do we pray for the wayward sinner? Do we pray for the Christian that's struggling? Do we pray and fast? Do we go and say, okay, God, I'm fasting today that you will bring somebody in to get saved. When was the last time we fasted for people to get saved? When was the last time we fasted for somebody who was struggling that they can come back into the house of God again? I'm saying that we, we don't tend to fast anymore. And if we do fast, it's selfishly. We do it for ourselves. Most of the fasting here is done for other people. God tells us to fast for other people and for other things. Are we fasting for those things? Um, and then he said, uh, he, he said there that, uh, verse number eight, that thy light shall bring forth and thy health shall spring forth speedily. You know, it's something healthy about fasting. You know, after you fast for about three days, you know what begins to happen? Your tongue begins to turn a little white. And what it is, all these impurities in your body are begin to come out and come out of your mouth. They say that if you want to get rid of gallstones, the best thing to do is to go on about a three to five day fast. And it usually breaks up your gallstones. But most people <laughs> can't go that long. Uh, they're not willing to do it. Uh, but that's, there's something about fasting that is even healthy for us. And God said uh, that this is that, th verse nine, then thou shalt call and the Lord shall answer. And thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. Why? Because he fasted. Well, God give us a group of fasting people. People who know what it means to afflict their own soul with hunger and say, God, I'm not going to eat. I'll tell you one thing I learned years ago when I was in, uh, in college. I learned about fasting. I learned in fa about fasting. I heard a, a Samuel Sprunger. And uh, I don't even know if he's still alive now. He was, he was old back then, but he's got to be, if he is still alive, he's well up in his 90s now. And uh, Samuel Sprunger taught on fasting in one of our Bible classes one time. And it really got a hold of me. He gave me a book. He gave me a little book on fasting. And uh, just a little, just a little, maybe a while, 30, 40 page book, I think, maybe something like that. And I, I read it. And uh, boy, I began to fast for things and uh, ask God for stuff. And, and I, I learned that when you fast, it gets God's attention. Uh, we, uh, I had a bus route, and I was the bus captain in uh, uh, Chicago. In Chicago, of course, we in the the, uh, uh, the areas were in North Chicago, very poor areas, and uh, kids everywhere. You figure about on every block you had, oh, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people lived on every block. I mean, just people everywhere. Every single, houses were smashed right up against each other. Every house was at least four, had the basement and three floors, and, and, and all those were apartments in the back had the basement and three floors apart. So each one was a sixplex, and every every single one of those 
had a family of anywhere from five to 15 living in it. I mean, they were just everywhere. And, and uh, uh, boy, it'd be pretty easy to build a bus route. I mean, you go through there and give away goldfish or pickles or something. Man, the kids come running out, get on the bus. And, and uh, well, one day I got a call uh, from uh, Ray Young, who's the bus director. And uh, I got called out in chapel, asked to go to his office. Man, was I scared. And uh, what in the world I did this time. And I went to, the, uh, went to the office there, and he asked me to be a bus captain. And uh, so I accepted, and it wasn't a bus captain, though, in Chicago. I was asked to be a bus captain in, the, in Elmwood Park, Illinois, which was a, a, a suburb about oh, another 20 minutes outside of, uh, outside of Chicago. And uh, so I went and drove on my bus route one day. Well, I was used to going through my bus route and seeing game, game bangers on the street and, and seeing all the kids running around and somebody going out there and opening a fire hydrant and water spraying everywhere and then 30 kids playing in the fire hydrant until the fire department came and shut it off and that type of stuff. I pulled into Elmwood Park. Man, I'm all nice brick, single-family homes, Mercedes and Lexuses and the, and the SUVs and the driveways. Uh, there was not a single apartment building on my bus route. And I mean, very, very well-to-do type people. And uh, boy, I said, man, alive, this is going to be a little harder than I thought. And, and so I... Uh, I took it on, though. I got back. I said, man, that first Sunday I, I spent, uh, uh, back then, it cost us $200 to rent a bus driver. $200 on a Sunday to rent a driver. You think you have a bad 60 bucks. Uh, $200 bucks every Sunday to rent a driver. So I'd be selling candy all week. I rented my driver and, and uh, got my bus. And, and the week before, I got flyers. I was having Goldfish Sunday. And uh, I knocked doors. I was working a third shift job. And so I leave college. At, uh, we got out of college at uh, uh, 12? 31, I think 1 o'clock we got out of college. I drove straight to my bus route, knocked doors uh, uh, for about 7 to 8 hours, and I went to work at 10 o'clock at night. And I did that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, 40 hours, I knocked new doors. I knocked almost every door on that bus route. And, uh, and, and trying to sign up people, trying to get people to come. It's funny, I knock on the door. I remember, I'll never forget this one kid. And I said, man, we're giving away goldfish on Sunday. You get your very own goldfish. This kid looked at me and wrinkled up his nose, and he, he opened his door all the way. He said, I have a saltwater tank. Why do I want a goldfish? He had a great big old saltwater tank. And the type of kids, I said, well, I don't have a saltwater fish, so I can't give you one of those. And uh, man, Elijah, I worked and worked and worked. Then on Saturday, I visited every prospect that I had. I had over 80 stops of people who said they'd come. Sunday morning, I went one by one to every one of those stops. Not a single person came. I was so discouraged. I got down to my very last, my very last house. And I went there, knocked on the doors, an Indian family, uh, a, a mom, and she had a little boy and a little girl. And they said, open the door, we're not going. And I went back down to get my bus, and, and man, was I discouraged. And my, uh, I, I got on the bus, and right about then, the window opened. They were, on a, they were from the upstairs. The window opened, and said, hold on a minute, we're coming. And these were real Indians. They had the dot on the forehead and everything. And uh, uh, they invited me the next week to eat. And we had soup. We all sat Indian style in the living room, had soup. And I was waiting for the utensils. Then I realized their utensils were those three fingers right there. And that's how they ate their soup. And so, you know, that's how I ate my soup. And uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do. I got done. I just licked it off, I guess. I don't know. And, uh, and so um, they came down. And, and I said, well, what changed your mind? And the kid said, my mom saw you crying and she felt sorry for you. Amen. I said, well, that, didn't, that wasn't very encouraging. That was a... a Quite a long way from the power of God came down upon them, and they got convicted of sin and came, you know. But I took it anyway. I had three that first Sunday. Next week, I went back. They didn't come. I had nobody. 
On the way back into town, I stopped by one of the big projects along the highway, ran in and grabbed me a couple kids out of the prospect and gave them a dollar and told me to get on the bus. And at least I didn't have, at least I had somebody. And next week I had nobody. I stopped by the projects, got those three kids again. And uh, next week I had nobody. I went and stopped at the project, got those three kids. I couldn't get anybody to come off that bus route. And I mean, I was working and knocking doors and renting a bus every week, coming in empty. And boy, it was discouraging. Finally, we had a prayer meeting one night and my division leader, uh, 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 Brother Chin, he was his name. He was a, uh, what was he, uh, uh, Korean, I guess, and uh, Brother Chin, and uh, he, uh, he, he, had, he had started a bus route in another suburb. He goes, I'm going to take you up there today and show you how to, how to do it. I'm going to help you on this bus route. I said, okay. So he went there all day Saturday. He knocked doors with me. That night, we had a prayer meeting, and he said to the people, he said in the prayer meeting, he said, we're going to close down the bus route in uh, Elmwood Park. He said, you can't build a bus route there. He said, we knocked doors all day, did not make a single sign up. And, uh, and I said, I said, look, I said, Brother Chin, please, can you give me a little time? Don't close it down yet. Give me, just give me another maybe six weeks. Give me some time. Let me try it again. And he agreed. And so that day, that night, I said, okay, God, I'm not eating today. I'm not going to eat. I am going to fast, and I'm not going to eat until next Sunday morning when we do pickups. I'm going to fast all week long begging you to bring me somebody on that bus. And I didn't eat Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, got my bus, starving to death, went up through that bus shop, picked up five kids. Five kids. Man, I was so happy. I got to church, dropped them off, and ran to the grocery store. <laughs> Straight to the grocery store, to the deli, got me some linguine stuff and a couple chicken legs and wolfed those down and... Whew, I'm happy. And man, that afternoon, dropped those five kids off, went straight to the burrito store, got me a great big old burrito. And yes, I was rejoicing. Then that night after church, I had a horrific thought. What if the only reason those five kids came is because I fasted all week? Then I got scared. So I'm afraid uh, if that's the case, I better, I better fast again. So I started again. Sunday night after church, I decided I'm not going to eat again. I didn't eat Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Didn't eat at all, all week long. And uh, so I'm not going to eat God until I do my Sunday morning pickups, begging you to give me somebody. Showed up next Sunday, had seven. Whew, praise the Lord. Dropped the kids off of church, ran to the grocery store, got me some little greenie and two chicken legs. Wolfed those down. After drop off, went straight to the burrito store, got a great big old burrito and ate that thing. Boy, was I excited. My attendance went up. I almost doubled, amen? 150%. I went up 150%. And uh, man, was I happy. Then that night I had another thought. What if the only reason God's blessing is because I'm fasting? So the next week I didn't eat. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, till next Sunday pickups. Next Sunday I had 12. I had the same thought again. And pretty soon I just figured maybe the only reason God's blessing is because I'm fasting. And so for about six months, I only ate. The only meals I ate for about six months was Sunday afternoon after pickups. I would eat something. But then I was too scared to eat again. I would fast the entire week. I, boy, I lost so much weight. I was down to, I don't know, I got down to I think 100, 100 and, uh, uh, probably 120 pounds or something back then. My eyes were all sunk in my head. They called me, they began to call me uh, coon eyes because my eyes were all black. They called me coon eyes. And, uh, uh, but man, the, well, after a few months, the bus route was running over 40 every single week out of that area. I had a lady on the bus route that paid for my bus. She was a registered nurse.
first. She rode my bus every week and she paid for my bus every week. Gave me the $200 to pay for the bus. I had a two police officers that rode my bus every Sunday. I had five kids that went into the Christian school. And that's a whole other story. I fasted for them for three weeks uh, to, uh, to get uh, Carol's heart into the Christian school. I'm just trying to say that, man, God did something, but I believe it was because I afflicted my soul with fasting. I wonder, when was the last time we fasted for something and got real victories? Go, go to Matthew chapter 17. Go to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And, uh, uh, and, and the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye had the faith, the grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, Remove hence and to yonder place, and it shall be removed. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it, look at verse 21, This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. You know, if you have something impossible that you need done, something that you've got to have God's help on, that kind only comes by prayer and fasting. I wonder how often we miss what God would want to do and God getting involved because we're not willing to deny our flesh and say, I'm not going to eat God. I'm not going to eat today. I'm not going to eat next two days. I'm not going to eat for three days or this week. God, I need your help on this. And you beg God for it and get it. Let me show you. Uh, uh, go to Matthew 15. Go back a page. Matthew 15. I think there's something special about the three-day fast in the Bible. There's uh, All through the Bible we find it. Look at Jonah. Hey, Jonah went three days with nothing to eat. Then God spit him up, right? Uh, it was a three-day fast. Uh, you look at uh, Esther. Before she had delivered the children of Israel, what was it? Her and the whole nation fasted for three days. They fasted for those three days. And several times in the Bible, we find people fasting for three days. And when they fast for three days, God seemed to have done something. Go to, you're in Matthew chapter 15. And uh, uh, look, at, uh, look at verse number 32. Verse number 32. And Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now, how long? Three days, and have nothing to eat. I will not send them away fasting lest they faint, by the way. What a, what a verse. God said they've been following me for three days with nothing to eat. I'm not going to send them away fasting lest they faint by the way. There's something about that three-day fast where God said, I will answer you, and I'm going to help you. I'm not saying every time he will. I'm not saying he'll always give you what you want. There's been a few times that I've fasted and, and, and just didn't go the way I thought it should go. But you know what? For the most part, it gets God's attention. 
And I believe it always gets God's attention. I wonder how many of us have fasted at all this month for revival. We're getting ready for, for brother ones to come. And not, not something great about the preacher, the, it's, but it's a different voice. It's a different, you hear my voice all the time. And, and, and by now I sound like Charlie Brown's teacher to you. You don't hear a thing I say. Uh, you come to church and just put in your time, smile, wake up every 30 seconds, say amen, go back to sleep. I mean, I know that, but you get a new voice that comes in. And that same that voice may have the same message, but a new voice. Boy, I tell you, it could, it could change our hearts and change our lives. I wonder how many of us said, God, I'm not going to eat today because I want you to do work in my heart this weekend. What would happen if all of God's people here, we all decided, Lord, I'm going to fast at least one day this week and ask for your divine attention on my heart. Some of you, some of you that are struggling getting your fire going, you know, and the fire of God's not in your heart like it used to be. Okay, the fire of God, the desire to fast might not be there, but do you have the character to fast? Do you have the character to say, I'm not going to eat? Why? Because I know I'm not on fire for God, but I know I should be. I don't care to be, but I know I ought to be. And so, Lord, I'm not going to eat asking you to put the fire of God in my heart. How many times have people come to say, Preacher, I just don't get anything out of my Bible. Okay, why don't you try fasting? Say, God, I'm not going to eat until you give me something out of your Bible. You come to God the prayer. God, I have this prayer. Uh, okay, God's not answering. Try fasting and see what God does. Um, uh, read Isaiah 58. Why do we fast? Boy, many reasons right there to undo our heavy burdens, to undo our wickedness, to help the oppressed go free, to bring the lost to Jesus, to deal our bread to the hungry. Uh, that is why we fast. There's reasons why we fast. I wonder, I wonder if there'd be some people that fast for Mrs. Clark. And say, hey, God, these, this is important. It is important. It's real important. It could, be, it could be you have six months to live important. It's very important. I wonder if some people will say, Lord, this ain't for me. This is for, this is for her. You know, we find out a lot tomorrow. Well, I mean, I said if a group of people said, just praying and fasting tonight for you. Um, let's, let's, uh, uh, wonder, wonder if we're going to pray and fast that God brings us a good crowd Sunday. I don't know if we're going to pray that God will bring some visitors that will get saved. Are we going to pray and fast that God will, God will do something in your heart and in your life for church? There's something about fasting. We deny our flesh and say, I'm not going to eat because it is more important to me that I get the spiritual blessing than the physical blessing. And that was one of the things right there that was the difference between Jacob and Esau. When he came in from the field and had nothing to eat, he was willing to sell over his spiritual blessing, the birthright. He'll sell that over for what? A bowl of soup. Because his physical was more valuable than the spiritual. Let's get the spiritual more valuable than our own belly. You know what the truth is? If you're going to go on a fast and you're going to fast and you fail and you eat, you feel more guilty than the pain of not eating. <laughs> you really do. You just kick yourself and say, "Why? I can't believe it wasn't that good of a sandwich. It wasn't that good. I can't believe I just ate. And it's funny how when we get done fasting, when we break our fast for something, we usually break it for some junk, lame brain food. We just find the first thing we can and shove it in our mouth. Uh, listen, hold your fast. Hold the fast for I am coming. It's a song. We sing it all the time. And uh, let's, let's do good. Let's, let's, let's fast. Let's learn. Let's learn to be godly people. The day shall come when I'm the bridegroom is gone and my people shall fast. Shall fast. Uh, I went for years 
And I used to fast every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Now I haven't done it for a while now, but my wife and I actually talked about going back to fasting every Wednesday. Wouldn't it be something we did that? Let's pick one day a month. Say this, uh, the first of every month or whatever it is. I'm going to fast. I'm just going to fast one day a month and, uh, and, and get that spiritual detox and get things going again. All right. Ushers, why don't you come? We'll take our offering here for the, um, for the 